Welcome, everyone, to the newest episode of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. And this is Jersey Joe of Heads Up Hockey. And (laughs) there we go. And as you heard, we have Jersey Joe of Heads Up Hockey. He wanted to come by here in Puckburg and share his story. So, first of all, Jersey Joe, how's it going, my friend? Uh, it's a wonderful evening down here in the beautiful, uh, community of Ocean Grove. It's right next to Asbury Park. As you probably want to bring up, yes, that's the same Asbury Park where the New Jersey Devils, uh, did their, uh, draft party. And I actually hot taked a few months back. I told a different hockey podcast network guy uh neil villapiano and i told a different devil's podcaster uh trey matthews i said don't be surprised if the devils pick a defenseman named shimon nemec out of slovakia from nitra because he's a really good shooter really good skater he's very young he's been playing slovak hockey for a while so uh i said he's going to be the best skater out of the bunch that they're going to select from if they don't get Slavkovsky. And <clears throat> it's funny you bring up those two names. Uh, Neil is a former resident of here in Puckburg. We had him on t- sharing his story. And uh, Trey is a peer of mine because when I'm not on here in Puckburg, I am on Locked on Avalanche with Chris Maselli. I'm a co-host <laughs> of the Avalanche show. So I know Trey very, very well. <laughs> so and that was a, that was a, you picked a good one there. That was a that was a a good pick right there. And yeah, I I didn't hear a lot of names talking about him. So very very good pick there. So yeah, um, if people want to understand, like you know, I have my own podcast called Heads Up Hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. Used to be called the Jersey Joe Corner uh, years ago, and. One of the things I always talked about was the growth in European hockey and how the game has changed since, what, the early 2000s, now that we've seen these European teams and leagues developing these guys. You mm-hmm. see, you've see, seen last season with Moritz Seider from Germany, from the DEL. Now, Central Europe is starting to produce high-quality uh, defensemen. So what I will say this, not just for Devils fans, but also uh, Blue Jackets fans, is that Yuri Cech is going to be a great defenseman, you know, right off the hop when he gets ready with a big slapper he's got, but physical guy. Reminds me of Zidlitsky, but the match reminds me of a younger, more exciting version of Eric Chernock. And it's fascinating, and we'll get to your story in just a minute. I like that you're <laughs> you're starting off right here because this is something I've been thinking about. What is going on in Europe where this new renaissance is going on with European hockey? Like, it's been kind of quiet for maybe the past 10, 15 years. It's been your your Canadian-born, your United States, and then you have your one drop-in-the-bucket European. And now things are starting to shift the other way. You're seeing the rise in the global games and... The Avalanche are going on this season. They're having one as well. And the World Cup of Hockey is now rumored to return. What -hmm. do you think is going on with the international interest in the NHL? Where do you think that's coming from? Well, first off, you know, when you have these older veterans that retire or move on to coaching or become scouts, they are looking for different players they filter through first. It's going to be the development stage. And for 10 years, 15 years you look at these kids move up the ladder of each system and then you got other kids in those countries when i grew up as a kid 
we always thought of the European uh, countries as soccer, soccer, soccer. Mm-hmm. Not all, not exactly the truth because I visited Slovakia before in person, and you go bike along the highway there. There is a bus showing in Slovak in the pride of hockey that you can see like a goalie mask. So mm. you know they're advertising the the sport of the country. And and you know it's it's funny like you mentioned that I remember like in the heyday of the Avalanche Red Wings rivalry. Like they had you know kind of like their little Russian line. Yeah. And like you don't see teams comprise like that anymore. And like you have your Ovechkins, understandable. Yep, but it's it's not so much a line comprised of um, there's been a shift in the talent, and I don't know if it's just because of the state of Canadian hockey and maybe the rise of the popularity in the states, but mm-hmm. there's been kind of a a talent pool shift, and maybe it's could be the rise of popularity and refinement in the AHL and ECHL system, mm-hmm. but now things are starting to balance out the other way and these global games are starting to get the interest going the olympics you're starting to get more names out of olympic teams mm-hmm. um and it's now starting to go back to an international sport so yep. it's it's fascinating where you're seeing these names drafted um going back to those glory years of more international type play yeah so you bring up the international stuff so uh when I talk to people about um, when I look for each draft class. I will say this. A lot of it, in my opinion, it stems from other countries from being beaten bad by the North Americans and the Northern Europeans, the Finns, the Swedes. Uh, Then now you got the Germans and the Swiss who are becoming the new powerhouses very soon. And you see these, uh, it's a healthy jealousy. I hate to make it an oxymoron, but that kind of passion drives those international squads. And I've seen the Czechs and Slovaks, they fight each other like hell on ice. But the Slovaks beating the Russians the past several times in the uh, World Juniors, uh, to me, speaks high volumes about not only the interest, it is the passion about the international stage where there's a bit of nationalism, but there's also a stem of, you know, pride in your game as well and playing well. And speaking of playing well, um, I do have to throw in Tomas Tatar into this mm-hmm. where he played well against France and Germany. And I saw a game where he played well against Germany, and it was like an FU match yeah. uh, because the Slovaks were doing. Uh, I, I noticed Slavkovsky was getting a little physical. Uh, I noticed the match was getting to be more uh, into the physical side a little bit more, uh, learning to be what it takes to play playoff-style type hockey. So now when you see these countries want to be the living crap out of each other, may I use that? Um, Definitely, I've seen the scouting report mentally show me that if these guys can play like this in a more refined way for an 82-game season and and then some, it's going to be very entertaining for the league in the NHL uh, building its brand. And see, I, I like that you bring up the nationalism side of things because with everything that has been going on with Russia and Ukraine, and how different and no are, yeah and you see how things have been handled there and you've been seeing the shifts in the world juniors and olympic play and how teams are just kind of getting tired of being embarrassed it has that same kind of feel as everything going around at the time of miracle for the united states where um, it was that same sense of nationalism and you get tired of being embarrassed and you start comprising your team to be different and be better because there's more on the line off the ice that you carry on that crest when you go into the game. 
Yeah. So it's it's kind of a fascinating, like, no matter what goes on in history, like the names change, but the storylines are the same. It's the same weaving in and out. And I'm mm. interested to see how this uh, little power shift goes. It's oh, um yeah. it it's 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 great that you pointed that out because like that's something I've been kind of watching from afar. Like outside of the NHL, the storylines that have that we were talking about 40, 50, 60 years ago mm-hmm. are starting to repeat mm-hmm. themselves a little bit. And it makes the game a little yeah. bit more interesting. And as a fan, we all get to reap the benefits of such. Oh, absolutely. Um my old uh co-host Jim Berger and I, we had the guy um from the miracle on ice um he wasn't necessarily just a fan this guy was actually a um like photographer who went Mm. into uh a couple of the usa games and he at one point said i didn't cheer i didn't you know this and that you know i he just stayed on the course and so one of the things was like um if there's another person who's going to do something like that, let's say the World Cup of Hockey occurs, you know, there's going to be someone with a great story about, I hope to hell in a good way that they do insert Russia and Belarus because I want there to be a miracle type of uh, chaos. I want there to be a little bit more of um, a conflict. And I know the IHF banned, uh, temporarily banned Belarus and Russia. But as a New Jersey Devils fan, I want to see Belarus get more exposure in the international stage because of Igor Sharangovich. And then you have uh, the Vancouver Canucks with Daniela Klimovich, the youngster. Mm -hmm out of Belarus, then uh, then there's another kid, a goaltender the Flyers drafted a, over a year ago. Uh, Kirill, Kirill Gerasimyuk, I believe, if I remember correctly. Anyways, I want to see these kinds of players uh, play the World Cup of Hockey if possible. And I know the politics, pol- political establishment would speak out against me because I'm an independent mind. You know, if you want to be like 1980s, you have to allow the protagonist and the antagonist to go at each other. And you mentioned that you're a New Jersey Devils fan. Mm-hmm. You're in Asbury Park wearing a Rutgers shirt. Yep. Rutgers won 22-21 at Boston. Ironically enough, like, we're, by the way, to everyone listening and watching this episode, we are recording this on the first Saturday night of college football season. Yep. I'm recording this, and my I I'm going to reveal my team right now. My <laughs> Auburn Tigers are up twenty eight seven on Mercer. So, well, um, there you go. Um, so let let's get to your core real quick, yep. Jersey Joe. Yep. How in the world did you fall in love with the game of hockey? Well, first off, uh, I my mom is from New Jersey. I was brought up in Western Mass for 16 years. And I grew up playing street hockey with neighbors. And, you know, back then you had the Hartford Whalers. Mm -hmm. And I was born in Springfield, Mass. So the feed from there was technically the Hartford Whalers feed. But then once the Whalers relocated... It became the Hartford Wolfpack feed because that became the farm team in the AHL. Then mm-hmm. you also had people wearing Springfield Falk, as now they're called something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald played for Team Mass. Uh, uh, I didn't know about this, but my brother-in-law, Danny, runs DK's Hockey Shop. And so okay. when I was about close to 16 years old, uh, uh-huh. he had a son named Joey Bouchard. And now, a word from our sponsors. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. You make a bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash it in. You could throw down on all the major action from baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And now we resume our regularly scheduled program here in Buckburn, live in living color for your ear holes. All right, we had a little bit of a technical hiccup there, but you just mentioned Bouchard. And continue on. Tell me more about Bouchard and where your story is at this point. So when I first saw my future brother-in-law, Danny Bouchard, his son, Joey Bouchard, began to skate when he was like one years old. And I remember as he got older, he learned how to skate outside in the Western Mass uh, winters. And, you know, being cold out there, plus uh, his dad, then a year or few later, uh, he and his business partner, Keith, uh, acquired another place in Enfield, Connecticut. So that's where uh, the business is at. So it's called DK's Hockey, Dan and Keith. So they have a couple, like, practice rinks. And Mm -hmm. I saw Joey and the under 10 uh team you know practice there and i saw joey taking some you know shots on that and seeing some passes and all the good breakouts i'm thinking if he does have a good future playing hockey but not every kid is going to have a brilliant future not everyone turns but i got my sense of being uh a future hockey uh scout in that area so when i write uh whether it's for a couple of the blogs i named in the earlier part of the portion of the podcast um now with inside the puck.com i really like covering the youth uh trajectory i know a lot of people aren't interested in the u18s as much but now i know with internet and streaming services now that i knew i was onto a trend uh, watching him and I gained a sense of what youth hockey does before you get to the uh, 16 through 18 age group uh, with the major junior circuit and you have the college routes and then you kind of think about the personal side of the player and for me as someone who likes the likes to learn about the cap management the asset management my father uh, is a financial advisor for United Bank of Switzerland but um i learned a little bit about that because my father and you know having someone who works directly in hockey and also my brother-in-law danny uh has ties to frank vetrano uh because he is from east long metal mass i'm originally from there uh but i'm a few years older than him so uh, when he mentioned him to me years ago but he joined the bruins mm-hmm. uh I was familiar with the name and other people I knew back on Facebook from home uh, in New England uh, knew of him and they knew that he was onto something good. And so uh, I can see the work ethic in players like that. And you mentioned growing up in mass. Um, why didn't you become a Bruins fan? Like, like just what made you go to the devils and start covering the devils? And I'm interested to find out where the fandom portion 
started, especially being in mass. It's just kind of, isn't that what happens when you like drink tap water, you automatically become a Bruins fan? Don't you just kind of get that from osmosis? No, actually, mom's side has been in New Jersey since 1664. So, well, so you know how people refer to their homeland as the motherland? Mm -hmm. Really do mean the motherland of the mother. So, my family on her side's been in New Jersey, and also her side, also on her father's side, is from you know western pa so new jersey growing up as a kid before 16 when i moved to new jersey i had always had a special place in my heart visiting my grandmother visiting my cousins my uncle uh everyone tied into my uncle as well um going to see Rutgers games growing up in 2005 before uh, shiano made them a winner to me uh learning the jersey tude um, whether mm-hmm. you like that we're happy or we're uh, upset about something, there's a passion. Um, living in Western Mass at the time, um, a buddy of mine mentioned Martin Berder, and you know he knew that my mom was from New Jersey. So Tom was like, kind of bringing me on to something, even though he was a Bruins fan. And he goes, "Was back in 2003." He goes, "The Devils look pretty good," and I said, "You know." I really like what they're doing, but this was before like streaming and all that other stuff. But ESPN was a, a thing still, but this was like yeah. before. That's interesting. So Martin Brodeur, pretty good goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not a lot of scouting going into that analysis right there. I mean, he passes the eye test and the numbers follow like Martin Brodeur. He was, he's one of the greats. <laughs> So around that time, you're you're kind of seeing the devils, the devils dynasty starting to fade just a little bit. Um, that that shine kind of goes away, especially by the the 2010s. And you mentioned like that Jersey passion, whether you're happy or they're upset, you're going to know about it because that's just that's Jersey and that's what they do. Hey, I'm a I'm a Kevin Smith fan. I know all about Jersey. So <laughs> I I know everything I know about Jersey I've seen in every clerk's movie. So I, yeah. I'm well versed. Um and for you to have ties to Jersey long before the country was a country, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's for a lot of people, I mean, they think, oh, New York. Oh, cool. And they go, New Jersey, what's this? Well, New Jersey is an important place where you would have had outdoor hockey if it weren't for Thomas Edison in Edison, New Jersey. And without that light bulb, how are you supposed to have indoor rinks? So how are you supposed to go from A to B? And that's pretty good scouting there. Cannot do much without Martin Brodeur in your story or Thomas Edison. So, Nope. Two amazing people. <laughs> See, everybody listening and watching today, that there's your two free scouting picks right there. If you, if Thomas Edison or Martin Brodeur is someone you have to draft, pick them high. Yeah. I mean, look, um, I know it's kind of weird. Like, I had to throw those in, but, you know, um, one of my favorite things the Devils do is that they do a really good pregame video show. And uh, Ken Danico, uh, you know, he mentioned like, uh, like, you know, we are New Jersey type Mm -hmm. video showed like, you know, how the team went from 1982 to becoming a big contender in the 90s to the 2000s and being part of something that is blue collar. And well, technically, I call it red collar. Because that, that I don't want sense. to be associated with the team across the pond at that old dumpy ground that's overpriced tickets where you have to pay Wall Street journal prices. It, you know, it's it's a funny thing you bring that up. Like, we kind of know the Devils now, looking back from this point in 2022 at the Devils, that they're kind of, they're not, they're not what they used to be. 
like in the 90s and 2000s. But they're trying to build. And over time, we have for, seemed to have forgotten what Wayne Gretzky used to refer to the Devils as. A Mickey Mouse organization? Those comments don't circulate much anymore. Um, no. The, the more the cups tallied, the less that narrative stuck. And mm-hmm. I, I find it funny. Like, those were very profound comments when they were made. And they seemed to stick with that team ment- like mentally. And you could tell it in their play for a while. And that's why that first cup honestly felt like it meant so much to the Devils. Because they overcome overcame the narrative that the great one bestowed upon them and then they did it again and then they did it again mm-hmm. and it really solidified new jersey during that time as this is a pretty good team and they had incredible players incredible talent there was the kovalchuk thing oh um, yeah like it's i i and like I'm, I make no bones about it on this show. Like on uh, Locked On Avalanche, I'm, I'm Avalanche fan number one, every day of my life. But yeah. I love and respect the Devils. They're in the East. They don't affect my Avalanche. They don't ruin their life. <laughs> and I cheer for the the Devils from afar. I have, as I'm talking to you, I have a Jack Hughes, uh, game jersey over there. I also have a McKenzie Blackwood. Hey, there you go. Jack Hughes right here. The and first like, hockey. And I have I have a McKenzie Blackwood. I was a big fan of him coming into the league. Um, it it kind of hasn't paid its dividends yet, but I was a big fan of him coming into the league. Um, so I I love the Devils and I love where they're going. I feel like I mentioned this with Neil. Um, and I mentioned this on I did a locked on NHL like multiple hour live stream during uh free agency period like whenever when it went live and everybody started moving it felt like Kadri would be that piece landing in jersey that would land mm-hmm. them in the playoffs it feels like new jersey is one talented veteran away like a johnny hockey a Nas, one piece like that not just to get them into a round but push them into that second round because of the core that they're building right now being a a, a devils fan being and having this heavy scouting background. What can you tell me about the New Jersey Devils going into this next season, 2022-23? What do you see in this core? What needs to be shed and what needs to be acquired for the Devils to start making noise? Well, one of the first things, if you look over last year, the mm-hmm. bottom six was okay, but it wasn't great. Pavel mm-hmm. Zaka was nearing the end of his equity in New Jersey, his equity years. And everyone knew he was on his way out. And I will tell you, I used to get, I got cut from the baseball team at Columbia High School. And it's not easy uh, because you're in a group four, division one, division group four, section two, uh, NJSIA. And it's hard to know when you see your name not on that list. And I knew that day forward, you know, when I look at, the rosters for hockey. I look at, and I, I've talked to Trey, I talk to Neil, I say, this guy, this defenseman does not suit us. Not gritty enough, not passionate enough. And then I'll say something like, uh, Tom Fitzgerald's got these guys and ball and a Hochuk, uh, Vukovic. Mm-hmm. You got Luke Hughes. Now, and I mentioned, you know, before earlier, Shimon Nemec now. And I knew that the Devils needed a little bit more right-handed defense. They went right-handed defenseman heavy. But back to the earlier question, looking at the uh, part of the Hala trade, I really mm-hmm. like it because you're getting you're acquiring a veteran who can still be a good finisher. Maybe not the icing on the cake, but someone who's a leader in the room mm-hmm. that knows what it's like to take being in Boston when Bruce Cassidy was there. Yeah, And then you add in Palat, and Palat, to me, is a top nine forward, easily top mm-hmm. six still. And even when he degrades over time, he'll be a, a third-line, second-line guy easily. Mm-hmm. The Devils already have a Miles Wood. Mm-hmm. And if Wood, Bastion, 
can play with Palat on four different lines, you're going to see a New Jersey team that can roll with a couple snipers like Igor Sharangovich. Maybe Holtz makes it out of camp. I can see it. I can see uh, Mercer becoming a bit more of a scorer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For Brat is going to have a breakout year. Look out. Anyone having a fantasy team, you better have Mercer. You better have Jack Hughes. To me, Jack Hughes should be a top 15 pick in fantasy easily. Because if you're going to get Connor McDavid and you miss out on McDavid, go get Jack Hughes or Leon Dreisaitl. Now, from an avalanche background, being avalanche heavy, and that's kind of, I mean, it's literally my backdrop. There's a little devil's flag back there, so it's its there. <laughs> but um, being avalanche heavy, I know what it's like to have a captain in the passenger seat. What need, does anything need to be done with the captain C? not the captain C, but the captain letter C in New Jersey. Or are you perfectly fine with how everything is? Is he the leader or talk to me about the captaincy in New Jersey? So first off, it's Nico Heischer. Uh, second off, uh, Dougie Hamilton could have easily been a captain, but being an alternative, definitely stay. Uh, Ryan Graves could easily be an alternate captain mm-hmm. because he's been around the the game for a while. He's been around the Rangers. He's been around Colorado, and he was a really great stalwart. Um, mm-hmm. There's another guy I think who deserves that, and Jonas Siegenthaler. Jonas Siegenthaler mm. across the board. Uh, amazing pickup. Really great value for a third for a third round pick from the Capitals, and also, I mean, let me put it this way. There are some Devils fans who are Yankee fans, and loving and growing up knowing Derek Jeter, I see uh, Nico Heischer more like Derek Jeter, where he's a doer, but not a sayer. He doesn't say much. He just goes out, executes. He leaves by example. If you want someone who does a little bit of both, it would be Jack Hughes. However, he's starting to settle into that big year. Even though he's in the middle of that eight-year contract in the early part, he's going to start to show why he can be a captain. But I don't want to give him too much of uh, a weight. All right. That's why it's going to be Nico still. Let me ask you this, because this is something I've been watching and observing from my my, my beautiful den over here, watching Devils and Avalanche <laughs> kind beautiful. of in a in a parallel. When it comes to Heischer, I love him. I really do. I want to ask you, Jersey Joe, to take mm-hmm. off your scout hat. Yeah. And I'm going to sit you right down in the rock in the Prudential Center. Yep. You're going to put on your your devil's hat. You're going to sit there. You're going to enjoy this game. What is everyone around you? What is the devil's fan base opinions of Heischer as a standalone player? I bring this up because I find some kind of similarities with his captaincy. And this is the actual word, not the captain letter C. The captaincy um, with Heischer with Gabe Landeskog in Colorado, where it felt like Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon were kind of stealing the spotlight a little bit and taking it away from Gabe Landeskog, where he was a pretty average producer. You knew what you were getting. And then he started really developing this leadership role on the bench, on the ice. And then something that he really developed the year before the Avalanche won the cup and really refined in the year they won the cup was finding his weapon when it came to his skill of setting up in the slot, getting dirty down there, getting in a goalie's face, getting in a defender's face, and making it hard on everybody in the slot and in the crease, and opening it up for everybody on the perimeter. 
Gable Landeskog found his place. He established himself as a leader, but also needed to find somewhere to be on the roster talent-wise to keep up. He sure, I feel like, is in that same position where you mentioned Mercer, Siegethaler, you mentioned Hughes, and then you have Graves and Hamilton all as defensemen having a yep. little bit more of a spotlight. Where does he sure needs to go and do, and what can he go and do to claim some of that on the ice? Because if you're not commanding the locker room through speech, and if you're when you're spoke when you do speak, people listen, but you're not mm-hmm. out there barking and constantly navigating. Where does he sure need to establish himself on the ice to be more of a presence going forward? Because I feel like he often gets forgotten when you're making these top whatever lists, insert number here, of all of these position players, captains, he often gets looked over because I feel like he's still trying to find not just his voice on and off the ice, but his position on the team. I still feel like that's fluid. Where do you see he going? One of the things, I'm going to try and not wear my scout hat as much, but when I grew up, watching him in his draft year with Halifax and with mm-hmm. the Swiss. He was absolutely Datsyukian because he was able to strip the puck, take away passing lanes, create offensive breakouts when he was playing defense. One of the problems in his first couple seasons was he wasn't shooting the puck enough. He was too much pass first. He was too much of a... How do I put this properly? Too passive? Raymond now Felton. Now, now he's gotten a little bit more of a of a instinctive, fairly, not greedy, but a bit of greed, a good sense of it, to be more of a shooter. What he needs to do a little bit more is shoot a little bit more often, up his shooting percentage a little bit, and just focus on doing that little small thing. To me, if he can just stay just doing what he's doing now and just shoot a few more goals in a few more key situations, I think a lot more people will recognize him a little bit more, not just on the Devils, but throughout the league. Because you, I've heard Christy Flannery say this, and then someone else brought this up. on It, it was Andrew Burnett. Mm. on the Camus Strick podcast. And I believe it because uh, he, to me, Nico Heischer is Patrice Bergeron-like in mm-hmm. that sense. Because to me, I've been saying this, I've been saying this on the Let's Go Devils podcast before. And I said this against, before Seattle. And I said, during that day game, I said, you're going to have guys like Mercer, Hughes, Heischer, and then whoever you put on the fourth center line, you're going to have at least three Selkie Trophy candidates mm-hmm. on the Devils. That's how good defensively those guys are. Now, if you mix in a few snipers and a playmaker on the wing, maybe a big bash boy, a couple bash boys on the fourth, on the four lines right there, one through four. You're looking at a team that can really scare the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Capitals, and maybe steal a few games from the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes because this Metropolitan started to shift. Yeah. And the Flyers are going to go take hard for Bedard. And the thing that concerns me, and I I feel like, with everything you're saying, it might get addressed this year, especially if he sure understands what he needs to do and adds a little bit more offense to his game. But with everything that we mentioned to the Devils to this point of being one or two pieces away, building and the core starting to understand what they're doing and their role and their place, um, and like the goalie position still up in the air, you can figure it out it's it's not established and it's not set but the avalanche also set the precedent it doesn't really matter as long as your defense is in front of you but i feel like 
the the devils need to also feed into Heisher to make him more of a solid C because we just listed off five or six names that could be alternate, if not rival the captain. And you can't have that going into the East. You can't have mutiny on the ship, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have an established voice and leader to push this, especially with behind the bench still being adjusted. And I just, I want this Devils team to have more of a voice going forward. And if this could be Heischer's year to find it and establish himself, and lead this team to where it needs to be, I think it would be great. If not, it's going to be another year of the same old, same old, and then Jersey fans will start giving up about game 40, and around the All-Star break, throw up your hands and say, same old Devils team, and they'll check Mm -hmm. in again next year. I just, I don't want to see that happen, because I feel like this could be the year they start breaking hearts in that Metro. Well, let me put it this way. So the Devils went out. They got Andrew Burnett as an assistant coach to help run the power play. Power play. And then they got Ryan McGill from Vegas, mm-hmm. who's there to help not only with the penalty kill, but the defense itself. Let me start with the defense again. You have guys in front of Vanacek and Blackwood now. You have competition in the net for once and stability looking to occur once again. Now, back to the defense. Ball, Ohochuk are going to be there in camp. Vukojevic is going to be there. You're going to have Ryan Graves. You're going to have Siegenthaler. You're going to have maybe Riley Walsh on the right side. You have John Marino, who the Devils traded Ty Smith for. I actually like John Marino. He was one of my favorite players outside of the Devils on the Penguins, who I've noticed in Mm -hmm. the playoffs as a consistent third-line guy, bringing some, you know, physicality, doing the small things right, and all the small things, that is. And then Damon Severson, for me, I see him losing his job. And whenever I think of him defensively, not the guy. He's yeah. the guy I would trade in a heartbeat. And knowing Dougie Hamilton being our number one right def- right-handed defenseman, it's good to know that you have this kind of internal competition. And with that being said, camp is going to be more fierce than anything. Me knowing what Tom Fitzgerald's building after having been with so many years with the Penguins under Ray Shiro, you want to see that. And to me, this speaks high volumes, along with the the assistant coaches you added. And this is Lindy mm-hmm. Ruff's last year of his contract. Um, I've said this before with Sam Wu, Neil Villapiano, and Trey Matthews, those three podcasters. I said, look for the Devils to transit, uh, tran- transition away from Lindy Ruff but into a different role, yeah. but still be part of the team. But it's going to be Andrew Brunette who becomes the head coach of the Devils. Yep. And Elliot Freeman said this uh, before, that he believes that Ruff is on a tight leash. If anything happens, it's not going to be same old Devils. It's going to be the new look Devils with a, with a new cat, new captain at the ship making sure the generals that go on the ice do the job. You know what? And thanks for dropping Sam Wu on here. That's the third name I didn't get to mention. Love Sam, everything he does. And he's a PSU guy, Penn State University. And he knows why I'm (laughs) shouting that out. And I met him before at the, at the March game between the Avs and Devils. So shout out Sam Wu. Um, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. It feels like a kind of a coach and waiting type scenario. Um, like that's a, how they kind of do in uh, football. It feels like a coach and waiting situation for the Devils. So yeah, I totally feel that it's it might not be so much a same old Devils because I feel like nope. Fitzgerald's time with this, uh, 
Fitzgerald is tired of these same old devils, and he wants to see things change. Also, I mean, uh, I talked to fans before, and you know, whenever they listen to a Devils podcast, or I see them on uh, Twitter or Facebook, they're like, "When is Ruff going to get fired? When is you know this team going to get a really good coach?" And they've been asking for different types of coaches. Uh, then they see Golan going to have a good year with the Rangers, and you see uh, Laviolette having a good year with the with another team, and then you see, uh, I mean Washington, of course, and then the Predators with John Hines. Well, uh, I think the way those teams are built are designed in a way to keep up with those coaches, unless mm-hmm. too many of those pieces are gone, but. I've made a prediction before uh, with the East. I have Carolina as number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I have the Rangers. Three, the Devils. Four, I have uh, Car- I have uh, the Capitals. Uh, fifth, I have Pittsburgh just losing out by a couple points. Um, Columbus missing out as well. Uh, I have... The Islanders just going lower and lower because of what's happening with the offensive core. Is it's aging. The defense is good, but you know Sorokin and Varlamov are probably going to get less goal support. And then you look at Philly; they only added Tony D'Angelo via trade or whatever. Ooh. So that's my that's my prediction for the Metropolitan. Well, I, I kind of, I like what you're seeing and I like what you're saying and I can subscribe to that. And it, you know what? And for the fans of here in Puckburg and who have enjoyed listening to you, before <laughs> we wrap this up, uh, how can everyone find you on outside of here in Puckburg? All right. So um, I'm over at Instagram at underscore Joe of jersey j-e-r-s-e-y and then instagram then outside of instagram you'll also see me at twitter at uh at uh let me double check this you are jersey joe 11 underscore nj yeah there's an underscore in there so jersey joe njd underscore 11 Yep, that's me. And you could, um, and he's also uh, with Heads Up Hockey. That's my podcast that I I started uh, on Anchor FM. So um, people can listen to me. I starting to do it a little bit more like weekly now. I mean, COVID when it hit, uh, I started to slow down a little bit. It was a bit uh, stressful uh, because of work then, but then. Um, you know, when the hockey started slowed down because of it, I didn't want to just talk about the same topic over and over. It just felt like being a dead horse. So I took a break for a little bit, but, um, during that time I started writing more with the other blogs, but now I'm back to being on my own podcast again in season five. Um, I hope people can enjoy, I mean, they're on. It's on anchor.fm. Um, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can look it on Google. So don't be surprised to see me on insidethepuck.com. So I'll be there not just doing double stuff, I'll be doing other NHL things. But um, forgot to mention, I do analytics stuff, but also like if you've seen that one where I mentioned, um, What's his name? Peter Hauser and his projection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually got um, Hauser's agent uh, to actually retweet. So well, I actually got to talk to that agent behind the scenes. Well, if you want to check out this guy, uh, and also when this episode drops, we'll have all of his socials tagged. So. Definitely follow this guy's got the predictions and the retweets from agents. So 
Yep. Maybe they'll start throwing some of those donations your way, you know. Just oh yeah. Make making it rain, my friend. Well, all right. Jersey Joe, it's been an honor having you on. I always enjoy getting to talk devil's hockey whenever I get the chance. Just don't tell anybody at my day job. But Oh, no, 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 no. Uh yeah. that that that's 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 let, let's our seal on that one. Yeah, let's not tell anyone and anybody listening, you're also bound to secrecy. Hey, well, I mean, I can reveal uh, certain information, but uh, I do have the uh, the screenshots from Hauser's uh, agent. So hey, see, I see now. I now I trust you. Now I trust you. I know. I now I know I'm in good hands with Jersey Joe. Yeah, I mean, look, I was one of those kids in school where they say, "Can you cite your sources?" Well. Um, when it comes to certain podcasters and they're good with anonymity, I trust those ones because, you know, like I try and keep as close to the vest as possible, but there are certain people who deserve it. So, yeah. um, do you know Ryan Gray's fan page? I know Alan. He, I consider him a brother. <laughs> he, he, he said this. Um, he sees something special in the doubles from their prospect pool to the AHL to the NHL team. And I, I have to cite him with this, that I spoke to Hauser's agent saying that uh, the devil should have brought over Yarmir Pitlick a little sooner instead of going to Liga. And I said, um, and I said to him first off, uh, I figured there's a log jam, and I think when Severson gets traded, there might be a few more pieces to move. And then you have to look at the next time there's an off season. Maybe there's a way that you can do it contractually, but I'm not sure. But I gotta ask him now. So yeah, yeah. I've I actually had Alan on here sharing his puck tales, just like you did. So. <laughs> yeah, I've had Alan and Neil. I don't I haven't had Sam on here. And I haven't had Trey. I'll complete the unholy devil's tri- uh, trinity. And then <laughs> if if you want someone who drinks beer and has a good time on a podcast, you'll like Beer Baron from uh the Let's Go Devils podcast. He's a great guy. I met him before at that game. Um versus the Seattle Kraken. So mm. I I met him there in person. Awesome dude. Uh he he is a true family man. Um I I gave him a big hug. He gave me a big hug. So uh when you meet these people in person, uh you kind of forget that uh it's not just a hockey thing. It's a hockey and family uh atmosphere. Oh, absolutely i i echo that a thousand percent but <laughs> hey and you know what as a as we're wrapping this up everyone thank you for stopping by whether you're here following jersey joe or if you're a, a lifelong resident here in puckburg thanks for following <laughs> the show and listening and if you would like to find here in puckburg on twitter it's at h puckburg on twitter on instagram it's here underscore in underscore puckburg I don't know why I say this every episode. We have a link tree. You can just click on that and find everywhere. Yeah. You can find us on YouTube. You can see us right here. We're waving at you. Hey, hey. To all those that are listening, you're missing out on seeing my fingers moving in live action. But um, thank you guys, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Here in Puckburg. And we will see you all again real soon. <laughs>